Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is Psalm 103. It can be found on page 502 in the Bibles in front of you. Psalm 103 on page 502. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and it, its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Well, good morning. Glad to be here this morning. As Ricky said, my name is Andy Bean, and I'm one of the pastors here. And since you don't often see me on stage, I thought I'd just take a moment and introduce myself. So I'm from Kansas City. My wife, Ashley, and I uh, just celebrated 15 years of marriage uh, about a week ago. We've got three little ones all up in the balcony today. Wes is eight, Kate is seven, and we've got a six-month-old boy named Henry. And Ashley and I joined this church in 2009. So we'd just recently gotten married, uh, lived just a few blocks away over by the Sunfresh, and for year after year, we were, were, well, not that long, we hadn't been married for too long, but for a couple of years, we prayed that a church like this well, we could find one in our neighborhood. So in 2009, we became a part of this body. We were super young and have really grown up here in this church. I worked here on staff as the director of operations for 12 years and had the unbelievable joy of walking with so many of you um, through a lot of different seasons. God's changed my life at this church. He's grown me, he's humbled me, he's disciplined me, 
He's given me a front row seat into his grace into many of your lives. And he's let me be a part of hundreds and hundreds of people's stories. So for that reason, it is a real privilege to stand here this morning and open God's word. You know, when I was on staff, I did speak in front of this body dozens of times, but it was always like to give you an update on the money or talk about next year's budget or explain like a staff transition. And it was usually like, hey, you got five minutes, so get up there and make it happen. And don't get me wrong, I like talking about strategies and numbers, but it is a joy to slow down and spend some time in what is not only my favorite psalm, but I think my favorite passage in all the Bible. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to you. We ask that you would expand our capacities to understand and receive and comprehend your love and mercy for us. Come and meet with us. Speak to us through your word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 103 is a triumph of a psalm. It's traditionally attributed to David. And what we see in Psalm 103 is 22 verses that magnify the mercy, compassion, and love of God. It's interesting to think about who this psalm is written to, because at least in the beginning, it's clear that this psalm is written to the author of the psalm. This is a psalm written by David to David. Now, this isn't terribly uncommon. Plenty of other psalms do this. But just check this out so you can see this as an example. In your Bible, flip back one psalm to Psalm 102. Let me read the first couple verses. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Who's this written to? This is written to God. He addresses God in the first verse. And then just flip one more to the, to the other side of Psalm 103, Psalm 104. Let's look. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. But Psalm 103 starts differently. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. This psalm is written by David to David. Why is that? I believe that David wrote this psalm to himself because he is aware of our soul's need to be spoken to. Our souls need to be reminded of the goodness and grace of God. And while we do that for one another, and we do that in the gathered assembly on a Sunday morning, we must also do that sort of reminding to ourselves. So let me read a quote to you from Martin Lloyd-Jones, who says this about a, a similar psalm. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself? Take these thoughts that come to you in the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. And he goes on to say that in response, we must stand up and say, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. That's what David's doing in this psalm. He wrote Psalm 103 to say, hey, self, listen a moment. I will speak to you. Bless the Lord. Forget not all his benefits. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Hey, self, listen up. God does not keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Let me tell you, self, about the love and compassion of God. 
So with that as our starting point, let's look at what David tells his soul about God. And we're gonna look at three points here. David reminds himself of first, the benefits of God's mercy, second, the measurements of God's mercy, and third, the duration of God's mercy. So let's look at the benefits of God's mercy. Both in my role at Redeemer and in my current job, I spend a lot of time on human resources. And a big part of that, of course, is employee benefits. Companies and organizations spend massive amounts of time and money to attract and retain top talent. Paid time off, work from home permissions, uh, wellness benefits, retirement matching, you name it. And in 2023, there's some wild stuff out there. So in 2023, you can get a job at a company that will provide you a nap room, free food, clothing stipends, slides to travel between floors, bocce courts, an on-site masseuse. One I read said that they give free mechanical bull rides at the bar across the street. <laughs> Who doesn't need that? And then I think my favorite, you can go work for a company that will give you paternity leave. That's P-A-W, paternity leave, so you can have some time off when you bring home a new kitten. Psalm 103 starts with naming the benefits package attached to the worship of the living God. And here's the good news. Nothing here is trivial. You want every one of these benefits. You need every one of these benefits. Nothing here is earned. It's all grace. And nothing here depends on your resume, accomplishments, or pedigree. Top talent need not apply. This benefits package is available to the least, the last, and the lowly. All who put their faith in God in an instant are enrolled. So let's see what's included. I'm gonna read verses two through 10. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. What a list. Two things strike me about these benefits. The first is the contrast between what we deserve and what we get. And the second is the way that David roots these benefits in the real-time memory of the people of Israel. So let's look at the contrast of what we deserve and what we get. Verse three. We deserve judgment, but God forgives all our iniquity. Verse three, we deserve to suffer in the consequences of our sin, which include pain, sickness, and death, but God heals all our diseases. And listen, I understand that in a room this big, there are many of you who are waiting for this. You're pleading with God and you're asking him to provide relief and healing that he hasn't done yet. This is still a promise for you because even if he hasn't healed you yet, the Bible promises that there's a day coming when you will be fully healed and fully restored in the presence of God. He will answer this promise and this is a promise for you. He will heal all our diseases. Verse four, we deserve to stay in the bottom of the pit that we willingly threw ourselves into, 
but God redeems our life from the pit. Verse four, we deserve wrath and shame, but God crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Verse five, we deserve to hunger and languish, but God satisfies us with good and renews our youth like the eagles. Now he, he turns a bit and he draws on the family history of the Israelites. So this is saying, this is David saying, hey self, listen up. Remember when God led our people out of Egypt? And he goes on to recount the saving of the work of God to save and bless a people. This begins in verse six. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He's referring here to the Exodus when God mercifully brought the people out, people of Israel out from underneath the oppression of the Egyptians. And if you're unfamiliar with that story, you can read it in Exodus one through 10. In the Exodus story, God did not deal with his people according to their sins. Have you ever thought about that? When God visited plague after plague on the Egyptians, he finished by promising the death of the firstborn child of the people of Egypt. The people of Israel didn't deserve any better. The firstborn of every family in Israel deserved the same outcome that the Egyptians receive. But God does not deal with his people according to their sins. He does not repay them according to their iniquities. So he provides a substitute in the Passover lamb and says, kill the lamb in, in all of Israel's houses, spread the blood of the Passover lamb over the doorposts. And the angel of the Lord passed them over and did not deal with them according to their iniquities. And in doing that, of course, he left a symbol and a pointer to the true Passover lamb who would come and save God's people once and for all. So David reflects back on this story. And then in verse seven, he highlights that the Lord made his ways known to the people of Israel. And then quotes from the book of Exodus uh, in verse eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You can go back if you want and read the context of that phrase. It comes from Exodus 34. And Moses had just ascended the mountain a second time after the people of God had rejected the law of God. And I can just imagine the people watching Moses ascend the mountain thinking, will the God who gave us this law ever forgive us? And the Lord answers by telling them who he is, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. So David repeats this description of the father and says, listen up, soul. Don't you remember? The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He's told us who he is. Rehearse again the mercy of God. Forget not his benefits. So now that we've looked at the benefits of God's mercy, let's take a look at the measurements of God's mercy. Verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. This is my favorite passage in all of scripture. David draws on experiences that all of his readers have had to instruct us on the love of God. One is vertical, as high as the heavens are above the earth, and one is horizontal, as far as the east is from the west. Let's look at the vertical. God's mercy towers over us. Whenever you look at the stars, as high as that is, God's mercy is greater. 
And unfortunately, I have to dig pretty far into my memory to um, recall uh, an image like this, right? Only been a few times in my life where I've seen the heavens on full display, and all of them required enormous amounts of effort, right? These are backcountry hikes. These are backpacking trips. It takes a lot of effort to see this on display in 2023. You can actually look at maps of light pollution online, which are very discouraging and fascinating at the same time. And I did that this week. So if you're here this morning and you want to see what this verse is talking about, the closest you could possibly go to experience this is to get in the car and drive 200 miles away and park on a gravel road northwest of Hayes, Kansas. That's the closest you can go. It takes effort for us to grasp the gravity of this description. But to the original audience, this was a near daily reminder. On every clear night, these people would have the expanse of the heavens on full display. And David says, hey, soul, you know how high above the earth God has set the stars and the moon and the Milky Way and all the galaxies? That's almost, almost as great as his steadfast love toward you. So next he moves from the vertical to the horizontal and says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Here he moves from what you might be able to see and comprehend to something that just stretches our mind. It's a, a navigational conundrum. How far is the east is from the west? Like, to pose a question like that seems to give in to a logical fallacy. The east and the west are, are cardinal directions. They're not two points on a map that you can draw a string between and measure. So my kids are at the age in math, like the ultimate trump card question is yeah, something like, oh yeah, well what's infinity times infinity? <laughs> Mic drop. I think David is reaching at something like that here. How near is your sin? How far is the east is from the, how far is the east from the west? What's infinity times infinity? That's how near your sin is. I don't know about you, this is a promise that I cling to desperately. Because more often than not, my sin feels really near, ever-present, like a constant, unwanted companion. To be honest, I identify far more with Paul in Romans 7 than I do with David in Psalm 103. Let me read to you what Paul says in Romans 7. If you want to switch there, flip over. It's on page 944 of the Redeemer Bible. Bible in your pew. It's not the Redeemer Bible. It's the Holy Bible. <laughs> Here's what Paul says. This is a verse I can identify with. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For the good that I, sorry, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. He goes on to say in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I cling to Psalm 103 because my sin feels near. But God says, 
that you could put every mathematician, cartographer, logic professor in the world in a room together for a thousand years and they'll never be able to calculate the distance between me and my sin. Hey soul, listen up. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is really, really good news. Hey, turn with me to Micah 7, 19. I wanna show you one more place where this imagery is used. That's on page 781 of the Bibles in front of you. I'm gonna start in verse 18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Now, if you have a study Bible or a Bible with footnotes, it's likely that these two verses are uh, referring to one another. They're linked together and for very good reason. For all who are in Christ, your sins have been cast into the depths of the sea. They are permanently, irrevocably, eternally removed from you. And listen, there are people in this room right now who I know are struggling to believe that. Like perhaps you committed the worst sin of your life in the last week or maybe even last night and you're here today with a smile on your face for your friends, but inside your soul is in knots, it's in a pit and your sin feels all too near. Listen up, soul. For all those in Christ, hear this truth. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to you. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed this week's transgressions from you. And we could spend a whole other sermon in the book of Romans talking about how the grace and mercy of God is by no means a license to commit sin or remain in sin. And if that's an area that you feel like you struggle on that end of things, we'd love to, to pray with you, to talk with you, to work through that with you. But in this sermon, I wanna point to this truth and speak a word of grace and mercy and compassion to weary souls. I wanna remind weary souls that because of the work of Christ, there's no way to measure God's mercy. So having covered the benefits of God's mercy and the measurements of God's mercy, let's look at the duration of God's mercy. Okay, so I'm actually on day 25 of my 2024 reading plan. And before you like pat me on the back or think highly of me or think that it's because I'm an overachiever, let me assure you that is not why. But because, as Ricky said, I've had so many experiences where I just get stuck. I got to about December 5th or 1st and thought, I'm just gonna get started and I'll get a head start. So I'm gonna get to start tomorrow, January 1, 25 chapters ahead on my reading plan and about 25 pounds behind on my fitness goals. <laughs> but 25 days in, that means that I've spent the last week or two reading First and Second Kings. And the thing that stands out to me this time in this book, probably because I'm you know, preparing to preach this psalm, is just the repetition of the life, death, and burial of the kings of Israel over and over again. Some of these kings only get a couple of verses. This king was born, he reigned this many years, he died, and he was buried with his fathers. This king was born, he reigned so many years, he died and was laid to rest. 
he died and was, his bones were laid to rest in the city of David. And after about the 10th or 15th repeat of this phrase about his bones being laid to death in the city, I just had this thought of like, where are all these bones? Like, I don't know, I've never been to Israel. Maybe one of you has and can educate me. But when I read this over and over and over again, I just think, gosh, it's like every other building, some kind of crypt or archeological site in Jerusalem. Where are all these bones? And it turns out nobody knows. So there are a few archeologists and historians who maybe have a couple hypotheses about where the bones of King Solomon or King David, because those are the big names, they might be buried somewhere around here, but nobody knows. And in fact, throughout all the ancient world, there are whole cities buried under centuries and centuries of sand and dust. But the love of God is nothing like the short lives of man. Look at verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone. Its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. This text is very similar to Isaiah 40, verses six through eight, which is a very famous passage in the Bible. You might've heard it. All flesh is grass and all of its beauty is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So in this imagery, we see the contrast of man's efforts and man's short lives on the earth and God's mercy. Should the Lord tarry, every effort of ours will be dust, forgotten. Its place will know it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. So here we come to the end of Psalm 103. David has exhorted his soul to forget not the benefits of God's mercy. He's described in a triumph of poetry the measurements of God's mercy. And he's shown us that God's love and mercy is nothing like our human endeavors. It's eternal from everlasting to everlasting. And before we close, I wanna make three short applications. And to do so, uh, I wanna read the final three verses of this text. Verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So here at the end, we do see David change the audience of this psalm. I've said since the beginning that this is a psalm written by David to David, but after 19 verses of exalting the majesty of God's love and mercy, David can't help but invite other people to the party. Bless you, O his angels. Bless the Lord, all his hosts. Bless the Lord, all his works. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This psalm closes with an invitation to all creation, from the angels in heaven above to every creature under heaven. Man and beast and mountain and river and field, bless the Lord, exalt his majesty. And I think we can use this closing to make three simple applications. And the first is this, remember God's mercy. 
Let me read that Martin Lloyd-Jones quote again. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. I think the first way we can apply Psalm 103 is to remember God's mercy. Preparing for this, I read one commentator that said, memory is one of our best aids in worship. Practice what David does here. Take some time today to remember his love and faithfulness to you, to remember times in your life where God did not repay you according to your own iniquities. He didn't give you what you deserved. Today's December 31st. So I think it's a pretty good day to remember. If you haven't opened up social media yet and you decide to later today, you'll see many of your friends giving year in review recaps of all the highs and lows of what happened in their lives in 2023. Today's a really good day to remember. So I wanna encourage you, for, for those who are in Christ, reflect today on all the benefits of the Lord that he's described here in Psalm 103 and given to you this year. And then after you've remembered God's mercy, my second application is to go out of this place and practice God's mercy. To be honest, when I first uh, chose this psalm, I, I kind of worried that I'd have trouble uh, finding applications for us because um, it's not like a New Testament text. It's like, go out and do this. It was super easy. There is a lot more application in this text than I thought when I first read it. Over and over again, David describes how the mercy of God plays itself out. How might you imitate your father in the year to come by practicing this mercy toward others? Are you harboring bitterness against a brother or sister for something that they've done to hurt you? Remember, your father does not repay us according to our iniquities. Are you angry with a family member or a loved one? Remember, your father is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Are you wallowing in a pit of sin or secrecy? Remember, for all who are in Christ, your father has redeemed your life from the pit and crowned you with steadfast love and mercy. Are you quick to judge the shortcomings of others in this body? Remember, your father knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Let's close 2023 as a people who remember God's mercy and practice God's mercy. And then I have one final application. I think God is calling everyone in this room to receive anew the benefits of God's love. Look at verse two again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. So there are men and women in this room today who have never received these benefits. And God's word to you today is to place your faith in Jesus and to receive every one of these benefits described here. In a moment, in an instant of faith, your sin, which is all around you, will be cast into the depths of the sea. In a moment, in an instant of faith, you can receive the love of God that is not even able to be described by things like east and west and the heights of the heavens. So if you're not a believer today, we'd invite you to trust in Jesus and receive every benefit of the Lord. And for those of you who are Christians, I think my invitation to you today is to receive these benefits anew. Remember the mercy of God. 
practice the mercy of God and delight in the reality that your sins are forgiven by a loving and compassionate Father. So let's stand together as we move toward communion. In a moment, we're gonna take communion together as a celebration of our participation in the love and mercy described here in Psalm 103. And in a moment, I also wanna invite anyone um, who would like to receive prayer to maybe receive the benefits of the Lord for the first time or prayer to receive these benefits anew to come forward and, um, and do that. But before we do that, I, do, I wanna read one final passage over you because I can't read Psalm 103 in this imagery of east and west and heights without thinking about Ephesians 3. So I'm gonna read this over us and then pray and then we'll move toward communion. This is verse 14 of Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Heavenly Father, that's our prayer this morning. As we close the chapter on a year and, and, and open a new one, Lord, would you expand our capacity to know and receive and to walk in the love of God? God, would you expand our capacity to, to comprehend how far you have removed our sin from us? May we know the height and length and depth and breadth of the love of Christ. And would you make us a people that practices that mercy and extend it, extends it toward others? Servers, you're welcome to come forward. For I received from the Lord that what I also, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So what we're gonna do now is remember God's mercy and celebrate our participation uh, in this love, this love that's from everlasting to everlasting. We get to participate in it and this meal is a celebration. The way we celebrate communion here at Redeemer is by taking a piece of the bread and dipping it into the cup. Uh, the stoneware cups are filled with wine. The glassware cups are filled with juice. There's servers in the front, in the middle, both sides of the balcony. And there's an allergy-free, uh, gluten-free station over here to my right. If you're here with us today and you don't know Jesus, like we're, we're really, really glad that you're here. And our invitation to you today is to trust him and to come and receive every benefit of the Lord for the first time. Come trade judgment for mercy, shame for a crown, and hunger for satisfaction. But if you're not ready to do that today, we just invite you to, to sit in your seat and pray. Again, we're really glad that you're here.
And finally, we have prayer ministers throughout the room who would love to, to, to pray for healing in your body or to pray that you would receive anew the benefits of the Lord. So please uh, take some time and, um, and get some prayer as well. Heavenly Father, we love you. We approach this meal with joy and gratitude, and we're thankful for the ways that this meal points to the day when you're gonna come back you're gonna make all things new. You're gonna wipe every tear from every eye. And we're gonna sit down at a table and feast in your presence. So God, we receive this meal um, as a gift from you and we celebrate your love and mercy on our lives. So uh, bless us now, we ask in Christ's name, amen.